Good evening. And blessings. And welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom of State. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people past and present black and white who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. To deliver this message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is your host, Jamal Brown, and you are joining me on another exciting episode of the Just of Freedom radio show tonight. Like all nights that we broadcast, we will be bringing you history as it connects with the present. We understand that history is not something that is just old and dry and that we set on our bookshelves, but history is alive and well. And tonight, again, here at the Just Freedom Radio Show, we will be discussing topics from the past and connecting with the future and the present as well. Again, I'm your host, Jamal Brown. Uh, you can find out more about me and the exciting things that I do with a number of Black History products at black365.com. Find out more from our shows, our past shows, at blackhistoryuniversity.com. And again, tonight we will be building on the topic that we established. We're going to showcase a few individuals of African descent, African Americans who have impacted voting in America. Octavius. Cato, Sojourner Truth, Fannie Lou Hamer, Hamer, Amelia Boynton are just a few. Respectable people honor their past. Some people do this by creating altars. Some people do this by creating street names. Some people create holidays. One popular way is the creating of a statue to memorialize the greats who have come before you. And there are a number of great such remembrance that we bring up here at the Just of Freedom uh, comes to us from the Bible. There are statues in the Bible, and there are memorializations in the Bible as well. Uh, one such comes to us from uh, the book of Exodus in the story of um, some folks traveling across the desert. And they were provided, as the story goes, manna from heaven, and they were instructed to keep that manna from heaven as a token of remembrance, a token of where they have been, and so once they got to where they were going, they would forever have the ability to recall the lessons and the legacy that they went through. As it has become a custom of ours on the Gist of Freedom, we have with us a myriad of images, right? Because we understand that images shape our reality. And so we have a number of images to help us read and learn. To provide to you about African Americans who have impacted voting, we came across, or I came across, and was educated about this statue that exists here of Octavius Cato. Octavius Cato was truly, truly a Renaissance man. In a prior show, we talked about uh, Imhotep. Imhotep being the world's first multi-genius, comes to us from Fourth Dynasty Egypt. And I, I like to postulate, I like to put forth the argument that throughout the years, throughout the centuries, throughout the decades, throughout the ages, there have been many men and women who walk, who have walked amongst us, who have an Imhotep-like spirit. 
and that being that they wore many hats. And this gentleman here, Octavius Cato, was one such man. And again, he has a statue there in Philadelphia. We encourage each and every one of you to get out, smell the fresh air, uh, spread your wings, and visit some of the statues that we uh, discuss and some that may be within a car ride uh, of you. But I intend to fly, seeing that I live here on the West Coast, uh, Los Angeles area, to Philadelphia one day. And again, I, I will make sure that I will be uh, checking out the statue here about Octavius Cato. Uh, it was erected on September 26, 2017. It stands, as I mentioned, 12 feet tall. It's outside the Philadelphia City Hall. And there we see the address. He enrolled in the Robert uh, Vaux Primary School. He, he helped establish what is present-day Cheney University in Philadelphia. Uh, Cheney, for those who may not know, is the oldest Afri uh, HBCU, the oldest HBCU. Uh, not to be mistaken with Wilberforce. Wilberforce is the oldest HBCU founded by individuals of African descent. Um, but Cheney University is where he attended and graduated as the school's valedictorian in 1858. Uh, in the very first election that African-Americans were allowed to participate in after the ratification of the 15th Amendment, 15th Amendment, uh, mind you, was the amendment that in essence states that no person can be robbed of the right to vote uh, based on their race, gender, or any of those protected forms. And so being an ambitious man, being a forward-thinking man, believing in the rights believing in the power of the votes, this brother dedicated his life towards enrolling individuals of African-Americans uh, and encouraging them to vote. And in doing so, this brother paid the ultimate sacrifice. What is that? The sacrifice of his life. His life was taken. That's right in the pursuit of registering people to vote and having them vote on the voting day. So, again, let me just be clear. I'm stumbling my words just a bit. But on the day that they were supposed to vote, while in uniform, this brother was murdered. On election day, October 10th, 1871, Cato was murdered along with several other African Americans in a Philadelphia riot where local African Americans uh, attempted to vote as a result of the state's ratification of the 15th Amendment. During the riot, Cato was confronted near his home by a man named Frank Kelly, who was a part of the Democratic Party, who fired several shots at Cato, one bullet piercing his heart. Kelly escaped Philadelphia after the shooting and was found six years later in Chicago and extradited to Philadelphia. At the trial in 1877, six prosecution witnesses were called to the stand. Three white and three black identified Kelly as being the shooter, and despite their testimony, an all-white jury acquitted Kelly of the murder of our dear brother, Cato, Octavius Cato. Octavius Cato, again, uh, never married. He was engaged to a sister, but was killed before their wedding took place. He was such a beloved man that 
his funeral, I'm told, was the largest attended funeral of any African-American at that time. It was the largest attended funeral only surpassed by that of one president, Abraham Lincoln. Again, he was a renaissance man. I haven't even read his entire bio, but again, truly, truly a forward-thinking man, truly, truly a man that lived every day to the fullest and impacted several people. Uh, there is a or order of uh, the Elks uh, who have a uh, Elks Lodge named after this great man. There stand behind him five pillars with information about him, and in front of him, he's striding towards this object here, and this object is to represent a voting, uh, a ballot box. Again, he lived his life in the pursuit of voter education, lived his life in the pursuit of voter uh, increasing the vote as he believed in the power of the vote, and so he will forever be memorialized in front of this uh, this cube with a shining globe in front of it that represents a ballot box. And let me show you the artist. This here is the sculptor who has sculpted a number of fantastic statues that exist today. Here's one showcasing Jackie Robinson. There's one in New York that I've had the pleasure of seeing uh, of Adam Peyton Powell, uh, Branley Cadet. He, too, is the sculptor of that sculptor, that statue, as well as the one for our dear brother, Octavius Cato. Uh, he was a forgotten hero. I'm reading now from his tombstone that says, Forgotten Hero, Octavius Valentine Cato, O.V. Cato, was a prominent scholar and dominant leader in the civil rights movement of the mid-1800s, who led efforts to register thousands of African Americans to vote. He worked tirelessly in the face of violence and open hostility towards blacks' participation in the political process. Cato was a member of numerous civic, literary, patriotic, and political groups, including the Franklin Institute and the Union League Association. He was a headmaster at the Institute of Colored Youth and later Cheney University. He served in the Pennsylvania National Guard as a major in the Union Army during the Civil War. He was assassinated on Election Day in 1871 in front of a polling place on the 700 block of South Street in South Pennsylvania. Again, truly, truly a man who should be memorialized. Many, many, many other people, many more people should be uh, privy to knowing about him and his fantastic contributions. He is buried in the Eden Cemetery, which is the resting home of several African-American icons, Marion Anderson being one, as well as the Steele family. We know the Steele family, if you've been listening here to the Just Freedom uh, or have seen the movie Harriet, William Steele uh, helped Harriet Tubman along her Underground Railroad. Again, their family calls the final resting place, the Eden Cemetery, as well as Mr. Octavius Cato. Next up is the newest or most latest, up-to-datest statue that we have memorializing a great warrior, a great uh, uh, suffragist, person who lived, struggled, and died to allow us to be who we are today. 
I'm talking about none other than the incomparable Sojourner Truth. August 17th, and this year, 2020, Sojourner Truth had a statue erected of her uh, at the Welcome Center of the walkway over the Hudson State Historic Park in uh, Poughkeepsie, uh, New York, and the sculptor is Miss Benny Bagwell of New York. Beautiful, beautiful uh, sculpture, beautiful, beautiful statue of Mr. Jonah Truth. She has provided us so many quotables, so many quotations that we should all have in our hearts and minds. One said, truth is truth and truth prevails. Born uh, Isabel Bumfrey. She was enslaved for 30 years of her life. She was sold three times before escaping enslavement. Once she escapes, she did not rest on her laurels. She maintained a spirit of freedom in her thoughts, in her words, in her actions. She wrote many, many letters to the White House. She provided us with many innumerable messages. You may recall her from her most famous speech, Ain't I a Woman, where she talked about the plight of women and the struggles of women, as well as the strength of women, and said that, in essence, there's no job too strong for a woman. She served as a tremendous role model for all of us, male and female. She lived an upright life and, again, provided us with so much strength. She even freed her son from enslavement. Talk about providing the ultimate sacrifice. Mothers provide the ultimate sacrifice when they give birth. And imagine, just imagine for one moment, sacrificing your life for your child again for their freedom. She brought her son into the world, and she saved her son from enslavement. Again, certainly worthy of a statue, and we are so happy to say that one has been erected in the month of August, in the year 2020, and you can see it at the Hudson State Historic Park in Poughkeepsie, New York. She sued for her freedom for his freedom, the freedom of her son, and won. Let me say that one more time, because a lot of people don't know that. She went through the legal means. Again, she was a tremendous orator, a tremendous writer. Despite being born and enslaved in the early 1800s, if my memory serves me correctly, she passed in 1883. So imagine going from being born and enslaved, escaping enslavement, or well, after living 30 years enslaved, being sold three times, having to appeal to the courts, and ultimately being successful via that route for the emancipation of your own, again, truly a phenomenal woman, ain't I a woman, Miss Sojourner Truth has been honored once again with a statue. There are a few statues of her. But I must say, judging by the photos, this here is the most beautiful one of them to date. Uh, along the pleats of her, of her dress, there are messages, um, some talking about uh, emancipation, 
some talking about uh, the women's uh, women's rights as well. Truly, truly a beautiful statue. And judging by what I've seen, Ms. Vinnie Bagwell did a great job, and she was the best person for the job. When you think of voter rights, when you think of someone laying it all out on the line, the image and the name and the life and the legacy and the essence of Fannie Lou Hamer should immediately pop into your mind. This statue we're looking at here on the screen was unveiled on October 5th in the year 2012, and it's at the Fannie Lou Hamer Memorial Garden located at 726 Byron Street in Rueville, Mississippi, where she lives. The story of Fannie Lou Hamer has so many twists, so many turns. It could be a movie. There should be a movie about this system. One time she went to the doctor in order to what she hoped have been, been given um, something to alleviate a stomach pain of hers. Well, what she left with was an unwanted and unasked for hysterectomy. The sterilization of African-American women is something that has taken place over the years. Truly, truly an unspeakable horror. Again, she did not rest on her laurels. She did not stop in her pursuits of what she was put here to do. She wanted to vote. And she wanted others in Mississippi to vote. So when it came time to vote, she let her employer know that she'd be taking off and she would be voting. The employer, who was a plantation owner, let her know that if she were to vote, that she would no longer have a job or a place to stay. She let that man know that she wasn't asking him to vote. She let him know that she was going to vote. And that is what she did. And as a result, he kept true to his word, and she lost her job. That wasn't the worst thing that happened to Ms. Fannie Lou Hamer in her pursuit of voting. On one occasion, she was beaten, arrested, jailed, and beaten. There is an audio clip that you can listen to. I'm sure it's out on YouTube. I believe that's where I live, where you can hear her in her own voice talking about being taken to jail for helping to register and vote, helping other African Americans register and vote. Taken to jail, she was beaten by an officer until he was tired. And once he was tired, he gave, as she said, the blackjack or the baton to African-American male inmates and then forced him to beat her. She talked about how she would kick her leg above her head during the beating, but she did not stop there. Fannie Lou Hamer continued her plight, continued the process of registering people to vote. Some say that she single-handedly is responsible for registering more Mississippians to vote than any other person. When it came time to choose a party, the DNC did not want a Fannie Lou Hamer, and she was prevented 
from joining and voicing her position the way she wanted to voice her position. And so what did she do? She was resilient. She was bold. She demonstrated perseverance. And she created the Mississippi Democratic Freedom, excuse me, Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. And she was sent as a delegate. There was, I believe, 64 black and four white delegates who went and voiced their concerns, voiced their position, voiced the message of her party. She gave a testimony to the DNC committee prior to the DNC convention in Atlantic City. And again, do yourself a favor by going and listening to the words of Fannie Lou Hamer in her own voice. You will be stirred. You will be shaken. You will be uplifted. Truly, truly empowering woman. Here's a close-up of the statue capturing her holding the, uh, the voice part of a megaphone. Again, she was not simply a armchair revolutionary. She burned up some good shoe leather, as some say. We heard, we've all come, I'm certain, to hear the quotation, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, it was Miss Fannie Lou Hamer who uttered those words. But she wasn't just at home, you know, perhaps in quarantine and being sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick in the house. No, she was sick and tired of the treatment of our people. She understood that it was said that the right to vote was an inalienable right. It was here. Uh, but again, fantastic, fantastic sister. Uh, there is a uh, play uh, about Miss Fannie Lou Hamer, uh, Hamer uh, by a sister in Missouri, who is the actress. It is a must-see show. In Missouri will shake your soul and have you moving your feet with her out-of-this-world vocals. Here's a placard that stands near the uh, statue. Let me read it. In 1962, at the age of 44, Hamer tried to register to vote from her job on a plantation east of the location where the statue was at. She became a civil rights activist, opening her Ruleville home to freedom summer workers and other activists. She earned a reputation as an electrifying speaker, especially as a delegate of the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party at the 1964 Democratic National Convention. She fought racism, injustice, and poverty until her death in 1977. Truly, truly, truly a phenomenal woman. And again, we encourage you, if you are anywhere near Ruleville, Mississippi, stop by, pay homage, do yourself a favor, learn more, Feel the energy and the essence of the statue. Feel the energy and essence of our sister, Miss Fannie Lou Hamer. Again, you are listening to the Just the Freedom Radio Show. I am your host, Mr. Jamal Brown, a.k.a. Mr. Black 365, founder and creator of the Black 365 products that are educational products that will help inspire, uplift, and encourage your entire family. And again, we like to encourage you to vote as voting is one step in the process, one step in the solution for our ultimate freedom. That's all we talk about here at the Just the Freedom Radio Show is ways for our people to become free. We want you to be free spiritually, 
free financially, and of course, free from all forms of bondage. Again, check out blackhistoryuniversity.com, blackhistoryuniversity.com. There are over 30, even over 300 shows that I've been listening to over 30,000 times, and you will be blessed once you dive into our great catalog, blackhistoryuniversity.com. Coretta Scott King, I always, always, always like to acknowledge the fact that behind every great man is a great woman, and that great woman has been molded and shaped and hardened and has blossomed and has formed deep, deep roots, oftentimes tired of meeting that man. Such is the case of Ms. Scott, Scott King. Ms. Scott, Scott King met Dr. Martin Luther King in Boston at an apartment one time in Boston at a party, a, a, a gathering of intellectuals. I don't, I don't want you to think it was some type of, you know, kid and play house party where they met. A uh, gathering of intellectuals in Boston in the apartment. Uh, she was in Boston. She already had two degrees. She was there, uh, attended school on a scholarship. Yes, ma'am? This time the thing awesome. Keep going. And she had two degrees prior to marrying Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So she was an intellect in her own right, a force in her own right, truly, truly a phenomenal woman in her own right, had her own thoughts, and was a strong worker for the liberation of our people on her own, as well as with her husband. And let me read you a letter that she wrote, again, showing her social activism, showing her political acumen, and voicing her position on a very, very important topic. She wrote, this letter to Senator Thurman, and it says, I write to express my sincere opposition to the confirmation of Jefferson B. Sessions. It's a name that we are familiar with even today. She was writing this letter, she says, in opposition to the confirmation of Jefferson B. Sessions as a federal district court judge for the Southern District of Alabama. She goes on to write, my professional and personal roots in Alabama are deep and lasting. Anyone who has used the power of his office as the United States Attorney to intimidate and chill the free exercise of the ballot by citizens should not be elevated to our courts. Sessions has used the awesome powers of his office in a shabby attempt to intimidate and frighten elderly black voters. For this reprehensible conduct, he should not be rewarded with a federal judgeship. I regret that a long-lasting commitment prevents me from appearing in person to testify against this nominee. However, I have attached a copy of my statement opposing Mr. Sessions' confirmation, and I request that my statement as well as this letter be made part of the hearing's record. I do sincerely urge you to oppose the confirmation of Mr. Sessions. <clears throat> powerful, powerful words from a powerful, powerful woman. Powerful, powerful words from a powerful, powerful woman. Again, this was penned on March 19th, 1986. She was making appeal to the senator from uh, Alabama, 
to stand in opposition, voice her opposition to the confirmation of Jefferson B. Sessions as a federal district judge. Again, you can see throughout the years the right to vote, harnessing the power to vote, has been a power that our people have taken seriously and our people have used in an attempt to secure our freedom. And we appreciate, we appreciate the life, the legacy, the power, and the efforts and the actions of so many of our people. I don't know if she has a statue. Uh, I certainly feel as if she is deserving of one. I understand. I've not been there, but I understand at the Martin Luther King Center in Atlanta, Georgia, there stands a statue of one Mahatma Gandhi. If you do any research on Mr. Mahatma Gandhi, you know that he had some very, very strong feelings in opposition to African people, in opposition to black people. So far more deserving than a statue of Mahatma Gandhi, there should be a statue of Coretta Scott King. We the listeners of the Just a Freedom Radio Show may have to start a petition. We may have to use our political power to see that our dear sister, Coretta Scott King, is bestowed a statue at the King Center. Again, I've searched the internet far and wide, and I have yet to find a statue for this queen, Coretta Scott King. Next, we want to showcase Miss Amelia Boynton Robertson. Miss Amelia Boynton Robinson. Since the airing of this broadcast, let me back up to Miss Coretta Scott King. Uh, it has been revealed to me that there is, in fact, a statue depicting Coretta Scott King standing arm in arm with Dr. Martin Luther King. And so we, uh, we stand corrected here to this freedom. We always want to ensure the accuracy, ensure the legitimacy, ensure the truth being spoken. And so, well, let me retract that statement and say that there are no statues of Credit Scott King, but there is indeed one standing arm in arm with Dr. Martin Luther King. And so we are appreciative of that. She deserves one where she's standing on her own, in my humble opinion. Ms. Amelia Boynton is a name that many of us are not familiar with. Uh, that statue comes to us from, um, it's in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, Ms. Amelia Boynton again, is a name that should be more familiar, more popularized, given more attention to. She, like so many brothers and sisters, was there on that day that we know as Bloody Sunday. But before we talk about her activism and heroism at Bloody Sunday, let's go back and take a deeper look into her life. She was an organizer. She worked in education. Her whole family had a legacy of struggling against oppression and fighting for our people. At an early age, she wrote a play about her brother, about her father's half brother, who happened to be Robert Smalls. We talked about Robert Smalls in one of our previous episodes. Robert Smalls was a hero who lived larger than life. Robert Smalls, just if I can go on a quick tangent, 
secured his freedom, as well as the freedom of his wife and children, as well as the freedom of several other families. When on, I believe it was May 2nd, the year escapes me at this moment, around 4 o'clock a.m., he began a journey upon a coveted Confederate ship known as the Planter. He stole the ship. He navigated through some waterways. He provided the secret Confederate signals, paths, checkpoints as he navigated the ship. He delivered that ship in the open water to the Confederates. He was given a stipend, a reward for his heroism in the amount of present day about $30,000. He went on to serve in both the Congress and the Senate uh, in South Carolina. This is the half-brother of Miss uh, Amelia, excuse me, the half-brother of Miss Amelia Boynton's father. She wrote a play talking about his heroism, and she, from an early age, lived a life of service for our people. And again, on Bloody Sunday, she wasn't someone who talked the talk, yet she walked the walk beaten. She was trampled upon the forces. She was gassed thought that she would lose her life that day. Amelia Boyden, again, a true, true soldier, there to make the march from Selma to Montgomery, to bring light, to shed light, to bring a spotlight to the world on the condition of African-Americans and disenfranchisement. She lived a very, very, very long life, a life of activism. At the 50-year memorial, she made that sojourn. She made that trip across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, this time not standing next to Martin Luther King, but holding hands with then-President Barack Obama. She is depicted in the movie Selma by an actress with the last name of Two Stops. Uh, there, an amazing portrayal of her was given. And again, it can only, if you're really paying attention, it should shake you to your core. It should give you chills like it's giving me chills. Uh, just know that at a time when people who look like us, look who are African American, were not given the right to vote, this woman nearly gave her life. And I can't even imagine what was going through her mind when she was able to cross the Edmund Pettus Bridge holding hands with Barack Obama recognized as the first African-American president of the United States. Again, a life well lived, a life of inspiration, one that we can all model our lives after, taking from the courage, taking from the perseverance, taking from the strength of this woman. She was up in age when the movie Selma came out and was unable to make it to a screening. The great people at 
the studio provided a screening of the movie Selma in her home, and CNN uh, was there to report uh, her reaction that she gave just uh, uh, some great words about the film and about the uh, actress who was able to portray her. Again, Miss Amelia Boynton. Uh, we don't know if there's any statues of her. Uh, again, there should be. Uh, we're going to just give a recap. Again, you listen to the Just Freedom radio show. You can find, I misspoke earlier. I said in excess of 300 shows, or I should have said in excess of 500 previous shows uh, is what you can find at the Just of Freedom, excuse me, what you can find by the Just of Freedom on blackhistoryuniversity.com. Uh, there is a statue in Alabama of Ms. Amelia Boycott, uh, Boynton um, memorializing uh, the Selma to Montgomery March and Bloody Sunday, Miss um, Amelia Boynton. Again, tonight, I, your host, Mr. Jamal Brown, Mr. Black Sixty Five, has showcased some extraordinary individuals, one being Mr. Octavius Cato, who dedicated his life towards providing individuals of African descent with the ability to vote after the ratification of the 15th Amendment and the first time that people of color, black people, could vote in this country. And he paid the ultimate sacrifice and was assassinated in his quest to provide us with that ability to vote. There's a statue outside of the Philadelphia City Hall. Here is the depiction of a ballot box. He understood the power of voting and wanted to flex his strength and provide that strength of the votes to our people. Here is Mr. Branley Cadet, the sculptor of that marvelous statue outside of the Philadelphia City Hall. Our newest statue honoring our beloved ancestors to join the truth stands in Poughkeepsie, New York, there at the Welcome Center of the walkway over the Hudson State Historic Park given to us by the sculptor Miss Vinnie Bagwell. Truly, truly a remarkable sculpture, truly, truly a remarkable sculpture of our great ancestor, Sojourner Truth. One should not let another day go past without putting into Google the name Fannie Lou Hamer and honoring this great ancestor, Fannie Lou Hamer, lived, struggled, and died to allow us to be who we are today. Again, she said she was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Again, she was not simply sitting on her couch. She wasn't gardening. She wasn't exercising. No, 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 that's not why she was tired. She was exercising her right to vote, exercising her belief that all people are born free and as all free, proud, and productive people do, they flex their power when there were roadblocks put in front of her in terms of the party she uh, sought to be a part of, she exhibited some self-determination and created her own party, that party being the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. She was a part of the efforts 
that brought true legitimacy. I'm not talking about some fly-by-night thing. I'm talking about a truly legitimate political party. Some say that we need that today. Some say the two-party system that we have just isn't sufficient. It hasn't quite produced the results for our people that we need or that we want. So, in many ways, Fannie Lou Hamer was a visionary. In many ways, Fannie Lou Hamer was before her time, and she created a Freedom Democratic Party, known as the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party. Others of us, in my humble opinion, should take her lead. When there are not solutions suitable, when the options in front of you are not options that are proven to provide you with the solutions that you and your people need, some innovation is necessary. Some ingenuity is needed. Some effort to create the world that you want to see is needed. And that's what Fannie Lou Hamer, above all, provided us with the example of. Brother Scott King was more than just Dr. Martin Luther King's wife. She was a free, proud, productive woman all on her own, accomplished woman all on her own, who combined forces and created synergy with Dr. Martin Luther King. She, too, provides us with an example of using your power, using your might, using your intellect, using your pen to help strike down injustice when you see it. She used her voice in opposition to the nomination of Jefferson B. Sessions as a federal district judge so eloquently as only a sister can do. Miss Amelia Boyton as well lived a life, lived a life, that showcased the power, showcased a life that demonstrates that the right to vote is something that should not be played with. Innumerable innumerable people paid the ultimate sacrifice in order for people who look like me to vote. And it's not only our rights, but our responsibility to ensure that their lives and legacies were not given in vain. In my humble opinion, voting is not only solution, but it is a solution to help us attain freedom. We must voice our concerns at all levels, at all stages, of all facets of the process. Your local elections are the ones that impact you the most. Your aldermen, your uh, city council, your school board. Again, people fought, lived, died in order to have the ability for our voices to be heard. Again, honor them. I encourage you to honor them by being a part of the solution. I encourage you to honor them by being part of the process by which change comes about. Voting is part of that process. Grassroots organizing is part of that process. Providing political education, providing gardening education, providing physical fitness education. All these things are keys 
All these things are examples. All these things are part of the solution. We have given you some names. We have given you some stories. We have given you some destinations. We here at the Gypsy Creek Radio Show encourage you. We said it, and we will continue to say it. Get out. Go. Check out what this country has to offer in terms of its uh, natural beauty. Check out some of the statues, some of the memorials, some of the plaques, some of the stands that stand in honor of our great ancestors. There are several of them. Many of them may be within a day or half a day's drive of you. And we certainly encourage you to go and check them out. Do your part. Do all that you can. Ensure that you live a life that's inspired. Make sure that you live a life worth living. We encourage you to live a life will be worth remembering 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. How will you be remembered? Um, for those who are looking to um, homeschool or do remote learning, tap in. Use our over 500 shows at the Black History University as a guide. And we also, again, we need you in the listening audience. Point us in the direction of statues, of monuments, of memorials that you are aware of. Point us in the direction of um, stories that are worthy of being brought up on this show. Uh, use the hashtag Black Scouts, B-L-A-C-K-S-C-O-U-T. C-O-U-T, Black Scout. We need each and every one of you serving as scouts in uh, order to give us topics that you want to be brought up in order to be showcased here on our show. Again, you're listening to the Gist of Freedom radio show. There's over 500 shows that you can tap into. They've been listened to over 30,000 times. I'm your host, Mr. Jamal Brown, a.k.a. Mr. Black365, founder and creator of Black365.com, the home of culturally relevant products. Um, again, it is both a pleasure and honor for myself to be here with you on these waves, however you're consuming this. Uh, again, there's a podcast, uh, Just Freedom Podcast, that has been picked up by iHeartRadio. Uh, again, history is live. History is well. History is as Malcolm X said, the study that is best prepared to reward our research. Again, he said, history of all of our studies is best prepared to reward our research. Again, history is truly a gem and a jewel, and we want to provide more history and more information for you in a lively and educational way. Stay tuned in to us, Black History University, blackly65.com. Again, I'm your host, Jamal Brown signing off for the Gist of Freedom radio show. See you on the next episode. Peace.